0: Welcome to LameStream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden
1: Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. And hey, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. Tell one person. We're not even going to ask anymore. You, gentle listener, you must go out and tell someone. That's your homework for the week.
0: You know, everyone's like a gentleman or a gentle listener. What if they're like really overly aggressive listeners they listen at like 1.5 the speed and then they go tell 1.5 people. Like, oh, that's I would, great. I would be fine with that. Even like, better. Be Even overly better. be overly aggressive on how you share the show. I'm fine with that. Just as long as you've got consent. That, have that's, you
1: ever tried to listen to stuff at 1.5? I, I can't do it. it.
0: I can't do it. Yeah. I, I could do
1: I could do one and a quarter sometimes, but I, people people say, Oh no, it's a great way to consume no. stuff while you're doing stuff, you know, other stuff. I have a hard enough time focusing anyway. Maybe this is my ADD, but you know, speed it up. Fifty percent, and I sure as hell, I'm not going to be able to do it. And and I talk naturally at
0: one point five, like that's how I just normally speak. So I already live in that world up here, and I don't really need to be up there with other people that I'm listening to. That that is for sure. So listen to me at that point five, maybe, but share the show <laughs> at like three point five. So anyway, exactly. um, Great guest on the show today. Cannot wait. Love talking to this man every single time I get a chance to do it. One of the great storytellers. One of the great sort of professional, athletic, and broadcasting people that have ever been around. Hal Gill, our guest today on the show. Of course, the Nashville Predators heading into a huge playoff series with the Carolina Hurricanes and all kinds of insight from Hal on the transition from the regular season, his transition into the media booth, how he's critical – of players a story about philip forsberg not being all that happy with him about when he was critical one time and so lots of really great stuff with Hal gill can't wait for you guys to hear that that's coming up in just a second however lamestream sports is brought to you by
1: jasper's.
0: that's jaspers <laughs> it's a place to eat and if you like food and sports jaspers is your place You know what else? If you like to park, (laughs) Jaspers is the place for you. Spectacular menu, spectacular cocktails, spectacular parking lot. It's just spectacular. Go to Jaspers. That's it. Yeah, new menu items. They're also spectacular. The old menu items that are still there, they're spectacular
1: too. Some people have called it the next evolution of the sports bar. Some. I think it's fewer and fewer, but some. Have, I mean, because it. everybody understands now. Oh, yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah, that's true. Once, you, once you've called it the next evolution of the sports bar one time, you probably don't have to say it again. You don't have and to again, keep saying it. And again. And again and I mean, again, we're going to keep saying and it, but again. you don't have to keep saying it. And again. And again. And again. Go to, ja- go to Jasper's. Uh, all right. Before we get to Hal Gill, a couple of quick questions I had for you, Steve, uh, about just m- media things that have happened, some kerfuffles, maybe maybe mistakes, but also opportunities for you and I shed some light on how this business works uh, on occasion. Number one, and this one's sort of a lighthearted one, and that is, I got tweets and texts and all kinds of stuff from people saying, oh my God, is Major League Baseball coming to Nashville? Because literally, no. because literally like two words in like a 1500 word story happened to be Nashville, Tennessee, about the Oakland Athletics basically leveraging, you know, their threat to leave Oakland to try to get a deal done to build a stadium. And in the bottom last whatever of the story is like, oh, Vegas and Portland and Vancouver and Nashville,
1: Tennessee might be interested. Here's a, here's a general rule. If it appears in the next to last graph of the story, <laughs> it's not that important. We're not getting
0: baseball, folks. Okay, we're, we're not getting baseball. Not as an expansion team, certainly, and and definitely not as a stealing a team from another market. Not, not until a lot of things happen. So just we're being, you're being used by the media here so, slash uh, organization.
1: Right. And media people out there don't feel like that. You have to retweet stories, which are blatantly using Nashville for clicks that you don't have to do it. You don't have to share it. Nope. It doesn't have to be a topic of, on your, on your radio show. No, you just, you just don't ha- you can ignore it. You know why? Because it's not going to happen. No, no,
0: don't amplify. Don't amplify. All right. So which which brings us to the other sort of incident that happened this week in the media that I guess we're going to count it as like a southern story. We're going to count it as this. But it was the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the AJC, put up a headline about the passing of Colt Brennan, who, of course, was the quarterback at Hawaii, who did play against Georgia and Georgia and Matt Stafford in 07 beat beat Hawaii in that in that Sugar Bowl. June the,
1: Jones, uh, June Jones, Hawaii teams incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, just boatloads
0: of points and and you know Colt Brennan had all kinds of records and stuff and had a lot of personal demons and was dealing with some some very personal stuff and 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 passed away. 37 years old, just a tragic story. And the AJC had an interesting way of, of sort of posting the headline. And I think it's an opportunity for us to number one remind everyone that writers of stories do not write their headlines, so don't come after the author of a story for the headline because that person, he or she did not write that headline, most likely.
1: You know, what's fu- what's really funny, when you texted this to me, you said, hey, did you see this headline? And I thought, oh, well, it's because they're using Colt Brennan's name in the headline because I had been looking at something else. I hadn't seen the AJC. And you were like, is Colt Brennan a headline word? Do people remember who he is? All that sort of stuff. No, that wasn't the headline. The headline the AJC ran was... Quarterback Georgia defeated in Sugar Bowl in 08 dies. I mean I guess all stories are
0: local but wow and so then they got some pushback and they changed it to quarterback in 2008 sugar bowl dies (laughs) Matt Stafford's dead and what's 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 like again from a very cynical business SEO you know try to get into the trending stream sort of conversation on this not like oh there's a human being involved in this like take that part away from it Colt Brennan's name probably was a bigger clickbait grab than not putting his name in there. That being said, I don't think that the average reader of the AJC probably knows who Colt Brennan's name is. So this is one of those times where you probably should have just told us the whole story as as cleanly and as emotionlessly as you can in a headline, right? Like what should they have done if you were on the desk and you were the editor?
1: When you're writing headlines for a living, sometimes you can get too cute. You can overthink it. And what they thought was, oh, well, this guy's dead and it's newsworthy, but what's the local angle here that will make people read this? I mean, it was an interesting story no matter what. You didn't have to go back and dig up his, you know, his bowl appearance from... 13 years ago, which by the way, nobody, I mean, what, what's, what's more likely that somebody has heard the name Colt Brennan or that they have an encyclopedic knowledge of the right, quarterbacks right. who have appeared in the Sugar Bowl. I, l- listen to
0: me, if you're trying to do the whole thing correctly, which is grab attention, get readers, but also do service to the story. To me, why not just say like tragic passing of former college football star, you know, something along those lines where not only is the story look interesting to read, but also you're sort of doing this, you're doing it justice, right? Like you're doing it the right way instead of, I just don't like, it seems like the, most,
1: the most notable way. thing about Colt Brennan was not that he played in the 07 or 08 Sugar Bowl, right? Like college football star, like just say former college football star. I mean, at, passes at one, away
0: tragically at 37,
1: you know? I mean, at one point, wasn't he like, I mean, he was the, he, he had the NCAA passing record or he was in the top we're certainly in the top five. I, I don't remember if
0: it was single season touchdown record or total was, touchdowns. It was, like he, it
1: was one of those numbers, though. Yeah, he, they just he put like, up he, an asinine amount. Of, of, yeah, of, of numbers
0: had like fifty-one touchdowns or something in a season, and at the time, like that, that wasn't a normal thing. And so again, you know, co- former college football star passes away tragically at thirty-seven. That that does the job, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And, and it's interesting, and people might click on it and want to read it. So you can do it both.
1: You don't have to be like this is the this is the woman in the uh in the in the early 90s movie the paper who is reading the stories off of the uh, off of the the wire and saying none from new york none from new york you know <laughs> such and such people die in africa none from new york <laughs> everything is everything is local sometimes yeah. and yeah you could really try too hard particularly in the in the internet age to to do that i mean you're going to have more readers than just your newspaper readers
0: so message here is don't don't get too cute with headlines and uh number 2 remember that the writer of the story didn't write the headline probably so just those are the two messages here yeah. for our audience listening to this podcast who, of course, are going to go share it one and a half times.
1: I, I didn't so, look. I, I didn't look at who the writer was, but it would probably be entertaining to go look at their Twitter feed to see just okay. like how many how many people were adding them for that headline.
0: Poor, poor person. That, that's all I got to say about that. All right, let's get to Hal Gill because I, I just think he's one of the best man. Uh, I've had the pleasure of doing a lot of radio shows with him and working around him. He is just one of the best dudes I've I've known. Fantastic storyteller. Fantastic player. Self deprecating. Uh, and we had a great conversation, Steve. I just, I, I'm excited for people to hear this. I think it was great. And a lot of insight into what the Preds are going through here coming up in this next week and a half.
1: I love me some Hal Gil. Uh, and, and, and he's the he's the perfect sort of cup of coffee here to go into the playoffs. Talked about Pecorine. Talked about
0: the playoffs. Talked about his media career. Talked about working with Pete Weber. All kinds of great stuff. Uh, talked about soft dumps in the corner. So it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so without any more conversation from us, here is our conversation with the great. Hal Gill. Hal, always a pleasure to see you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, end of the season for the Preds. ended Couldn't end any better than it did. So I'm looking forward to the postseason. Get a little rest here. Looks like we're going to have some sun in Nashville. So I got no complaints.
0: So we're going to talk a lot about exactly all of that stuff you just you just mentioned. The Preds going into the playoffs, the series with Carolina, the process that this season has has been for everybody involved, a lot about your transition from the NHL into the radio booth. But I just want to start with this weekend and as both a play, former player and as a broadcaster, you get to see a team fight its ass off on Saturday to clinch a playoff berth and then you get to see a Monday night a, a emotional, you know, ball of goo where Pecarine gets celebrated the way he deserves um how just your reaction to what you got to call as a broadcaster and got to sort of watch as a former player this weekend
2: yeah it's kind of a it's an interesting when you put them both together and i've never really thought about it until you just mention it but as a player i know what they've gone through i've been through that where you're down and out and they were just a bad team. Like, honestly, a bad team. They couldn't get anything going. Their big players weren't playing big. Their, their role players were just trying to find their way. There was guys in and out of the lineup, and then they had injuries, and you're like, this is a dead dog. Just bring it out to the woods. Um, you're talking about losing uh, at home, you, you know, guys getting traded away. Groundlin is is going to be gone, and so as a player, I've been there and it's, it's the worst. There's not, you know, you try so hard to get back into it and it's just like, nothing seems to work as a, as being in the media side of it. Now I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, but also I have to be honest with my opinion and say, you know, this is a team that's struggling and the only way they're going to do it. And I know it is to come together and fight through it together. And so I'm being honest and trying to answer these questions. The team is just saying, you know, we're going to go in, we're going to give everything we got in practice. We're going to work through this and saying all the cliches. And I'm trying to read between the lines and say, Hey, it is what it is. But then to watch that eight game road swing that they went on, where you have Yossi and Ellis out of the lineup and, and juice was hurt. And, and then all of a sudden that, that I know it was like a 500 road trip, but that turned everything around. They got their identity. They found it with the the beast line going out there with, with Trennan Olivier and just banging bodies. And then it slowly started to creep in their game that they were fighters and they were fighting for each other as a media guy. I'm looking at it going, wow, this is kind of fun to watch like them gel as a team. And as a player, I'm thinking they must be in this locker room going, get out of my way. You guys wrote us off and we're, you know, middle finger right back at you. Don't count us out. And they kind of came together as a team. And then, you know, great stories all the way along where Tolvenin comes in and he's just sniping left and right. And guys are banging bodies and playing physical and hard fighting for each other. The D came in, Carrier is all of a sudden looks like he's going to be the next all-star in the league. And he plays well, Um, you know, the captain Roman Yossi just kind of taking the team and, and pushing it forward. And it really goes all the way through the lineup, everyone chipping in. And, um, as a player that that's something special and it doesn't happen too often as a media guy, I'm sitting there going, wow, this is, you know, what a story this is. And so for it to end, they clinch one night on a Saturday night where they're getting more fans in Smashville and it's an electric atmosphere. And then you throw the icing on the cake with Rene jumping back in, throwing a shutout and having the standing O from the crowd. Like as a player, I'm, I'm tearing up because I know Pex is the best guy you'll ever meet in your life. And anyone who says different is stupid. Uh, He's just, (laughs) everyone loves him. You can see his teammates just wanted to fight for him. They wanted that shutout so bad for him. And so, I'm sitting there teared up trying to talk through this on the radio, and then uh, I'm seeing the players do the same thing. So it's kind of uh, combining both worlds of being a player and being a broadcaster. It's like you can't get any better than that. So I think that kind of sums it up. I mean, that, what, a great, what a great season. What a great story. Did,
0: did you plan something, you and Pete? Did you guys talk about what you were going to do with Pekka on his final game, Potent- potentially final game?
2: Well, you know what? I think um, we didn't really want to talk about it because it's it's the story is the playoffs, and if it wasn't for the fans, we, you know, we were going into it like this is Pekka. He's got to brush up before the playoffs. He needs a game to get in there and feel good. In the event that he does come in in the playoffs, he wants to look sharp, and so that was really our focus. So we didn't really plan anything. Um, and then, you know, rate right in the warmups. He jumps in the net first. And the warmups, first shot he takes, the warmups, the crowd stands up and starts cheering like it, like it was the best save they've ever seen. <laughs> and so I was, you know, right away I got choked up. And then Paulus, his son, is, you know, a little guy on the glass and he's waving to him. And you're like, oh, my God, I I hope this isn't his last game. But, but if it is, uh, that's an amazing story, you know? And so uh, the fans really kind of got me and got me into that emotion. And so – um, and the, the range of fans, you know, old guys love pecs and little kids love pecs. You know, it's, it goes through everything, men, woman, child, it doesn't matter. Um, everyone was into it. So that kind of got me into it. And I, I will say I was a little, a little teary eyed trying to talk at the end of that one.
1: Home announcers get accused of being homers and get ac- be accused of being kind of in the bag for a team you had this, you had this situation where, you know, the team, as you said, was not good, but you had that, that in the middle of that road stand, that that road trip, what was it that you saw that you were, that you were like, Ooh, that's, that's a thing right there. That's yeah. And how do you let people know that, that, that it's not just, a good play or whatever, like this could be a turning point and do it in a way that, that you don't come off as being, you know, you're the home guy. Of course he's going to say, you know, something like that. Like that's, that's something that you really saw and that was a meaningful turning point in a season.
2: Yeah. When I, when I got into broadcasting, you know, the first thing I said, I, to be honest with you, I'm like, I'm not doing broadcasting because the last thing I want to do is go out and rip guys for making a mistake. Cause God knows I made plenty of mistakes. And you don't want someone trashing you. So as much of a homer as I am, if I see a snipe from, from Stamkos or I see a uh, Sasha Barkov dangle a guy, I'm not talking about the guy getting beat. I'm talking about how good Barkov is and trying to say, hey, this guy could beat anyone in the world. Like, these guys are good. And there's going to be mistakes. And I think if it's a bad bounce and it, it, you, get, you make a bad turnover – These guys know when they mess up, so I didn't want to be. I don't want to be a homer, but when I'm watching those games, I I I appreciate more than anything is the effort, like the forecheck, and not just the forecheck, but the reload. So you look at a guy like Yakov Trenin who goes in and bangs a body and crushes a guy. Yeah, that's great, but then he gets back up. the The defenseman's in the corner. He gets back up and chases down one of the, an elite player and you go, how did he catch him? Uh, you know, those are the little things he got back and made the play defensively. Now they're attacking. Meanwhile, the defenseman's trying to look out his ear hole of his helmet and he's getting back in the play, dusting himself off. And he's got Yakov trending coming back with the puck. That's the little things that, that changed. And it was, you know, there was some guys that were steadily doing it all year, like Gronlund, Yarncroke. These guys were pretty steady all the way through uh, where they were tenacious on pucks. But there was a lot of guys that were trying to figure it out. You know, like you look at Cousins and Howla, uh, they were in and out of the lineup. And then all of a sudden it started to click where they were doing it consistently and they were battling. And that's when I saw it turn around, That, that little subtle, I'm not just doing my job, I'm doing a little bit more than my job. And then you looked at it, trickle down throughout the team. And that's when you notice something's cooking is when it's not just one guy, but it, it, it spreads to the rest of the team. And, and that's really what the Preds have now. And that's why they've had success.
1: How long, how long into that, what, how long after that, were you ready to declare, okay, there's, this is a, this is a different team. How, how long before, uh, before you're able to say, okay. The, the 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 shitty team that we've been watching most of the season yeah well
2: because because of the injuries I was I was looking at it like okay juice is hurt uh Pex is holding for it okay he did his thing um then Juice comes back Juice plays well and then you look at Yosi and Ellis are out of the lineup and you go all right Carrier jumps in and he's playing fantastic so you go all right that's awesome and then Yossi and Ellis come in and they play well. And so you're looking for that. Okay. It's one thing for young guys to step in and give some energy. Tolvin just started tearing it up and we are waiting forever for this to happen. He gets his opportunity and he starts tearing it up, sniping on the power play, all these great things, banging bodies. He was physical. He played hard. And then you get all the guys. Forsberg comes back in. He's, he's buying into the system. And so it becomes not just I'm, fighting for a job and a contract. I want to be an NHLer. it becomes, I change the identity of this team. And that's what I think John Hines was looking for all along was buy-in. And it really took those young kids to come in and say, Hey, I'm Tanner. You you, you didn't hear anything about me. I'm Matthew Olivier. I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm going to impose my will on the other team and I'm going to compete. And everyone else around looks at it and says, I, Hey, I want to do the same thing. And that's, when you find something special, it's, not, it's, it's the buy-in from everyone else. Even the Stars changed their game a little bit. And Yossi came in, and he wasn't ragging the puck all over the place trying to do it all by himself. He was, became more of a complimentary defenseman, joining the rush when he could, but not leading all the time. And then you say, okay, this is the team, and they're playing as a team, and that's, that's when the good stuff happens.
0: Hal, you are a, an exceptional storyteller, and I think it's why you, you have this next career in media and will be successful doing it. But in radio, you only have really short bursts <laughs> to get all of your information in and out of a really complicated game. And so, number one, what, what is your decision-making process on, I've got all this information, I know all this stuff as a player, I know all this stuff because I've talked to the players, I have all of this stuff in my head that I can get out, how do you sort of filter through the stuff and get to what's important? Like what are your goals when you're going through deciding what you're going to tell the audience about a game, about a play, about a moment?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Cause so my, my first broadcasting experience, I called a game. It was funny. A, a, a friend of mine was like, Hey, can you fill in for a, it was a Boston university versus UNH game. And I got on and, I'm trying to study these kids. I, you know, I watched these teams play, but I never really looked at it. You know, as a scout, I was scouting and I looked at them and I was like, there's five guys that I'm going to pay attention to and the rest, who knows. But when you're calling a game, you got to know all these players. And so I'm in a panic trying I had like two days to prep and I'm trying to panic. And I had all my notes out and I like, you know, this guy does this and I'm trying to call coaches and get feel on this guy and that guy. And I have all these numbers and stats and little notes that I want to, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm calling the game and I was like, oh, that guy, you know, he, you know, he came from Alaska and he scored, you know, 20 goals his senior year at what and, and then I'm like uh, trying to squeeze it in and. I, I, to be honest with you, when I was done with that game, I'm like this. I, this sucks. I never want to do this again. It's, I'm just stressed out the whole time because I'm trying to get this information. And so then, I you know I did it a little bit here and there. I did some studio stuff, and and when I went back to do studio in Boston with Nesson, I'm sitting there going, "All right, I, I have a, a floor to tell my story, but I'm I'm still doing all the research and I'm looking through all this." And, uh, I remember, and at that point, remember, I didn't like it. I was like, I never want to do this again. So I got there and I was like, I don't really care. I just want to suck at this so I can say I did it and move on. (laughs) And that was a defeatist attitude, but it was, it was genuine and it felt better to just be okay with sucking at it and move on. And so I remember Andy Brickley came down and I looked and he had nothing. He's been, doing color there in in Boston for years and he had nothing in front of him. And we just sat there and started talking hockey. And I was like, this is kind of fun. You know, like I know hockey, I can talk hockey. I, (laughs) I studied all these guys, but we're not talking about their numbers or where they came from. We're talking about the game. And so that's when I kind of was like this, I kind of enjoy this. So radio is a great platform for me to just talk about the game. And so now I'll go through and I'll take all my notes. And then as soon as we go on air, I toss all the notes and I literally have like three things that I want to talk about that are going to be the themes to the game. And so if there's not a play, I'll talk about the theme of the game that I had, but as soon as play starts, it's see it and say it, you know, it's, I, you know, that guy did something awesome. And I want to tell people why it was awesome. It might not be, something that is on a highlight reel. It might be just a, a you know, a, like what really gets me fired up is a defenseman who fronts a guy, blocks a shot, moves to the corner, and makes like an easy outlet pass to the middle. And, you know, a fan would be like, I don't, I didn't see what that was and who would care about it. But I see it and I go, that's a guy who's on top of his game. And I want to talk about how he's on top of his game. If a guy bold rushes someone – and sends a message early in a game that it's going to be a physical, long game. I'm not going to talk about his stats. Who cares about the stats at that time? Right now, Tanner Janot is going to crush someone in the boards and tell the other team that we came to play, and that's the story. And so, that's where I kind of have fun just talking about what the game is, and let Pete Weber, uh, whoever's talking about the stats, <laughs> they c- they can worry about all that. The percentage of win and uh, you know all that other stuff I kind of let slide uh, try to learn it as I go but I'm more about the game and and talking about how good these players are
0: have you ever had a moment where you you not struggled with the line where the line is on sort of betraying a friendship or a relationship or sort of hockey code that you have with the guys versus trying to be loyal and and, and honest with the audience have you ever had a moment where you either personally felt something or somebody in the locker room came up and said, Hey, I, you know, I didn't think that was fair or whatever. Has has ever that, has that ever happened?
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. There was a, a story that came out and I was, I was asked about Philip Forsberg and whether he was an elite player or not. And I said, you know, I think Phil could be an elite player. He has to play the right way. If he plays as a power forward and sets his edges and attacks and uses his speed through the neutral zone, he's a great skilled player, but, you know, he plays on the perimeter when he goes in and plays the right way. He is an elite player and he will put up elite numbers. And the story came out, and it was basically Hal doesn't think that you know Skillsy says that Philip Forsberg isn't an elite player because he plays on the perimeter. And I was like, That's not right. That's not what I was saying. And so I I I said uh I called Phil. And I was like, hey, Phil, this came out. And he goes, would you say that to my face? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, then that's fine. I, that's all I care. <laughs> and he goes, "You." and he told me, he said, you would have told me to my face that, you know, I need to play that way. And I'm going to be elite if if I play that way. And and so I kind of look at that as like, a, yeah, I got to call a guy out, you know, like if Pecorino gives up a goal, I'm not going to say oh, that was a weird bounce if he should have had it because Pex knows he should have had it, you know, and and I would go over to Pex after if I was playing with him. I'd go over and be like, hey, don't worry about it, bud. We'll get you back, you know, and he knows that I know. Everyone knows that he should have saved it, but we're going to go on and uh, as long as I'm honest, and and I think that's what I try to be is, is honest with the game and honest with the players, if that What's makes li- sense. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> what's it like working with Pete? And and do you have to have chemistry in a booth to, to uh, on a radio call to make it work? Um, yeah, I think so. I think uh, time uh, time kind
2: of you know the more you work with someone, the more chemistry you have. First of all, working with Pete Pete Weber is just he's a legend. I mean, I wish I wish people could listen to in between you know when <laughs> as soon as we go off air, just the way he can he can calm you down or pick you up like he's just a magician and he's funny as hell. And um, we have a great time, but it was funny. Cause I, you know, I'm going the first handful of games I played, how, how am I doing Pete? And he's like, you're doing great. I'm like, What well, anything I should work on? Nope. Just keep on. Uh, when you, when I, when I say to talk you, just keep talking until I talk. And <laughs> you, you know, he kind of is so relaxed and, Talk about a guy who can fill air with anything. Like, just it's just robotic, but then genius at the same time. He's just a machine, and so it makes my job a lot easier because he's he doesn't mess up. You know, he's just boom, 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 and he's on his cues and he knows everything. And I'll tell you, like, there's a couple times that I've I see a goal happening and I'm still talking and I'm like, I got to get out and right as soon as. I say the last thing he's on it and that's, and he's got a great call. Like if you listen to his calls, gold calls, big save calls, he jumps in and it's, it's almost like, did you, how long have you planned and how did you know that play? And how did you know to call it exactly the way it needed to be called? Um, That's something that I've kind of admired going through it with him. But at the same time, he's like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, it isn't a big deal because you're a machine. And it, I want to get to that <laughs> point where I can, where I can see that, but uh, it is a gift. And so I've just learned a lot from just being around him.
0: I, I, I learned a lot from the two of you. What, what is the two of you? I don't, who, who, I don't know who gets credit for this. You or him, but the key to a successful marriage is what? The road. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that, is that you? Is that, that you or Pete? That, you know what? This is actually pretty funny, but we're sitting there, uh, I think we're at Pete and Terry's Tavern after a game and my wife was there and Claudia, his wife was there and, and someone came over and said, Oh, you guys are great. You're sitting there having a drink after a game. And someone said, asked that same question. And Claudia turned and and said that exact answer. The road. Road trips. That's the key. It's to <laughs> and a, right, road trips. And It's a low mileage We marriage. had a good laugh. I was like, this guy, this guy's a beauty. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, everyone knows it. The road, the road is, uh, you know, and my wife has been, you know, for a year and a half now. She's like, when do you, when do we think we're going to go back
1: on the road here? When,
2: we, when is that going to happen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jasper's.
1: Jasper!
0: can you just say jaspers regularly into the microphone for me jaspers okay that was good that was good yeah. the food is outstanding the parking lot is even better if i do say so myself do you say you've, so myself you've got a you've got a game room a private game room now that you can rent out if you want to have a big party because you're allowed to do that and having parties is
1: fun and we'll all go back to partying very soon which we kind of are Scale of one to ten how would you rate the uh the draft night experience in the private game room uh, 11.
0: Oh. It was an 11. Of course, had, the ex- food was exceptional. The takes were flowing like the booze. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it was awesome. I, I had takes on draft actually. You just you awesome, just, you put the glass under the tap, and Jen with two ends pulled the tap, and just all kinds of Caleb Farley takes poured out. It was one, <laughs> it, was, it was exceptional. Um, no, the food is they got new menu items, they got a great grab and go market. If you just need to, if you're in a hurry and you want to pop in, if you want to. Sit and watch Preds games, of course. You've got uh, a great happy hour, 4 to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. And, of course, uh, awesome, awesome happy hour during Preds games. So, great place to watch Preds games here for another week and a half or so before the Preds get beat by the Hurricanes.
1: Easy. Easy. Two words about that new menu, lamb barbacoa. Those, Those are two words that were meant for each other. I cannot wait to try this. I got so excited when I saw this on the new menu.
0: It actually is. To, barbacoa is just one word. Just for the record, I want, want everyone to know that. Um, they also wanted me to tell everybody that they have a new drink at Jasper's called the Cold Fashion, featuring Bellmead Bourbon. You see what they did there, right? Like I I do the Cold Fashion uh, yeah. features Bellmead Bourbon. It's all kinds of awesome. Three different ways: traditional, strawberry, or blackberry basil. It's a great summer drink with the weather getting hotter. So, uh, go check it out. Of course, you mentioned the lamb barbacoa, uh, the chorizo chili cheese fries. Hello. They have scallops now on the menu, which is like one of my things that I just can't ever turn down. The new flatbreads are amazing. They got like a Hawaiian chicken one and like a prosciutto and basil and mozzarella one. So they got a lot of really cool stuff and Deb Paquette doing her work to make the menu evolve as it were.
1: It is the next evolution of the sports bar. That only makes sense. Of course it does. You want to watch a Preds game at uh, Jaspers coming up this weekend or
0: next week or whenever the schedule comes out? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. So meet us at Jaspers sometime next week. <laughs> we'll just go every night, and one night we'll show up, and we'll all hang out, and that'll be great. <laughs> there you go. Dugan might show up, too, begging for a cocktail. Adam Vingan might be there drinking his own cocktail <laughs> because he's self-absorbed that way, you know? My, my guess is that Adam's not going to be drinking during the Preds game. Uh, you might be surprised it's a road game you never know <laughs> uh home games no no home games we we said we said we sit up in the 300 level quietly not drinking in in, in uh, at home games that's for sure all right so go to jasper's great parking lot great happy hour great menu basically everything is great everything is awesome go to jasper's and uh check out the new stuff and then tweet us if you're there at, at uh, 440 Sports, at S Cavendish, at Braden Gall, all, all over the Twitter sphere or Instagram or whatever, post some pictures of your food. Tag Jasper's, tag us, and uh, show Jasper's that uh, you know you're listening to this and going and spending money at their establishment. Like that's what we want people to do. So, just go. That that's it. Just go. That's how every one of these ads ends. I'm talking too much, and you just are like, please, people, go to Jasper's. <laughs> Uh, So uh, that that brings us to the the playoff series coming up against Carolina. And I'm just curious how different all of the things have been this season and including this week We're this is this, you're listening to this on a Friday morning and the the team has been off for basically the entire week since Monday night, the series uh, is, is about to get started. Normally you're sort of done on a Monday or Tuesday and then you get a day or two off and you're back into the playoffs on a Wednesday or Thursday. So, how different is the layout considering the entire season's been different? And, and how does that change sort of the approach both for the players and the team and, and you as a broadcaster?
2: Well, first of all, like the, just to go over the whole season, like I have so much respect for these guys to be playing through this, where like, we talk about going on the road and how you get away from everything. Well, these guys are going on the road and sitting in their hotel and they don't leave. And then they go to the game uh, practice. They get back on the bus, go back to their hotel. You know, like it's one of those crazy things. Like I had an interview with, with Nick cousins and I was like, how's it You know, we're off air. And I was like, Hey, be honest, how's it going? And he goes, you know what? I just ordered food and it got delivered to my room and it's, it's um, plastic cutlery, plastic silverware. And I was like, Oh man. And he goes, can you imagine It's just the worst? And like, it's not even, you know, you can't go out, you can't enjoy your teammate. You don't get to be around your teammates at dinner. And then the only thing you have is a good steak or something in your room. And you're with a plastic knife trying to <laughs> cut it. It's just like, like, I, I know it's, it sounds crazy, but it's like you play in the NHL and it's the best gig in the world. You're traveling and you're going to great restaurants and you try new food and you have a couple beers with the guys and you go and you have a big win and you get to celebrate it with the boys. And then you go to another city and you do the same thing and you go home and spend time with your family. And then you go back on the road and you are do these guys have been trapped really in this bubble for so long. And so I give these guys a ton of credit for going through everything they have um, as a broadcaster you know, we're not on the road. We're calling these games from a TV and you're missing half the game because you're like, you know, there's times Pete and I are like, I don't know what the call was. We went to break. We don't know what the penalty was or if there was a penalty, all of a sudden, you know, there's four guys on the ice and you're like, I don't know what, what that was. Um, so now you get in, they're loosening, I guess it's 85%, right. Are vaccinated. So you can loose loosen the bubble that they're in. So I think they're going to be able to go out, which is huge. Like, if you can just get away from your room, especially during the playoffs. Um, Jacques Martin always told our team, I was, he coached in Montreal, and he said a day off in between games in the playoffs is like a dream day. You just, just get away from it and dream. Like go for a walk and just lay down in a park. You know, just <laughs> – <laughs> just shut your brain off. Get away from it because you're so dialed in when you get into it. You know, like you have your meeting like three days before the playoffs starts, two or three days, and you go through the whole team and you talk about personnel. This is how we're going to play this guy. This is what we're going to do here. This is our four check. This is our, you go through all the systems and you're so focused. And then that first game comes in and you just want to rip someone's head off. You want to fight and hit and it's the most intense hockey you'll ever play that first game of, of the first round is just kill or be killed. Right. And then you need that down day where you can get away from it. And if you don't have the ability to get away and you're stuck in your room, I can imagine it would be maddening. So hopefully they release, they loosen these restrictions so that they can get out, actually enjoy their life and have their dream day in between because um, i know what a grind the playoffs are
1: how do you explain systems to to fans who especially the, especially someone who they're, they're just a fan they like going to the games they like watching them on tv but it's not like tennessee i grew up playing basketball and baseball and whatever else i never grew up playing hockey i never got the theory i never got the whatever else like how do you explain like how this team is playing different than than somebody under but like the team did under lobby or, yeah. and, and, and what are the, how can, how do you as a broadcaster kind of like describe those differences that you see in the, in the team? Hal, tell us why Carolina is great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Explain <laughs> well, it to two knuckleheads well, right now.
2: Here, here's, <laughs> no, here's the thing is, is um, someone told me a long time ago, right when I got into broadcasting, he said just try to talk to a 16 year old hockey player. You know, so that is my audience, you know, like I have a a 16 year old kid that wants to have fun, wants to enjoy the game, but also wants to learn about the game, but isn't ready to dive in to too much systems. But then there's, there's sometimes when I'm like, oh, that weak side forward has got to support that pinch down on the boards, on the penalty kill. And I got, I, I start getting into it and I'm like, oh, they set up their one, two, two, a little bit too high that forward should have reloaded and dropped across and supported the D, you know, like there's all these little things that I'm explaining, but at the same time, I don't want to get too far into it. And and like, if I'm explaining Carolina, they're an aggressive attack. They don't just attack on a four check with the mind of, of stopping it. They have an attack mindset where there'll be two guys that are going on the puck and one guy going to the net already. So that, as soon as they get the puck, they're not looking to to regroup and try to, you know, there's high one-two-twos that, you know, you you get the puck and you regroup and then you reattack. The, the Canes are an aggressive team where they're going to forecheck and they, then the puck is going to the net. And so there's different little things like that. And, you know, I think the, the Preds on Saturday night did a great job where they beat that 2 one, 2 heavy aggressive forecheck and once you beat it, you can make plays. And they did, and they made plays off the rush. But it's it's hard to beat it. And so um, there's little things like that that I try to explain as much as I can. In the end, it, it comes down to personnel, and they got to do it right. And so I try to combine the personnel and how they're playing that with the system and saying, okay, he played this perfectly. And, you know, because sometimes like, if you really want to learn the game, you just got to sit with me and ask questions. And that's the hard part is I'm calling the game and I don't have any feedback. I don't have someone at home going, Hey, how can you explain a little bit more about the, the, uh, one, three, one and why that, why that front forward didn't push to the side. What does that mean? And, uh, you know, and that would be great if I could be okay, let me explain it, uh, you know, a little bit more. Uh, But you're trying to speak to a whole audience and, and give them, a little bit of a hint, you know, they played the, you know, Laviolette was man to man and Heinz goes to more of a playing card five and a zone defense. And if you give them a little bit, you can see that, you know, like I, I try to give them a little bit that they can see that, you know, if I'm listening to the game, I draw a picture of it and explain it to them without overwhelming them with all the system bogged down, because as a player, I, I used to love all the systems and learning all the systems, and there's nothing better than when you kill a penalty and you do it perfectly just the way a coach said. But at the same time, there's players that are actually making the plays. So it's about stick position. It's about where this guy was. So I'll explain that a little bit more because I feel like it's a little more obvious to the listener that they can see that stick is in the right spot. They can see that the player is in the right spot. And not just the whole team and how they're working, although that's the stuff that gets that gets me all fired up when a team is playing as a team in that system. A,
0: a nice a nice one three one uh, gets Hal Gill all, all hot and bothered. I like that. That's, yeah. That's, well, that's yeah nice. well,
2: you know when when they play the the big one three one, there's a lot of <laughs> soft dumps, and yeah, that you know, Pete soft, Weber yeah. Pete Weber loves to throw that out there, and, <laughs> and if you listen to him, it's like. It, it, and i'll it just and he'll and the best is he'll be like oh there's a soft dump in the corner and he'll look at me and big grin and i'll be like yeah <laughs> nothing better than a big soft dump you know it's like and then and then he'll add in like i hope no one skates through it you know like it's like you know so he, he and w- for those that so don't... this is this is i'm trying to think about you know all the systems and all these players are great and then we're talking about soft dumps. I love,
1: I love the fact that you're both basically 10 year olds in the booth. Yes. It's just
0: (laughs) anytime you hear Pete talk about violating the crease, just know exactly what he's thinking about. That's all. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Yeah. So they play Carolina in the playoffs. They've played them eight times this year, which is more than you'd ever play a, a team in a regular season, normally four or five games. But this time you played them eight times. And, the final two games of the regular season you're oh 05 and one against this team before they're the best team in the nhl there was certainly a lot of uh, of of intensity in monday night not a lot of the starters played in that game for either team necessarily but a lot of guys trying to earn roster spots w- what does the layout and the format of this season does it change anything at all is it just two teams that are going to hate each other at the end of a round of hockey playoffs just like every other round or is there anything different because of the scheduling format we've seen so condensed in, in so many times.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Cause the last two games, right. And the same thing with Florida and Tampa, they're playing each other and yeah, the games don't mean much. They don't mean anything, but at the same time you want to impose your will and have that. You know, I talked about it and no knock on the players that have played before with the Preds, the Preds were just a great team that was rolling through president's trophy and after 2017, they had this swagger about them that was like, hey, we're going to win. And you get to the playoffs and you get punched in the mouth and you're like, Whoa, I, you know, I, you know, I, hey, th- this isn't what I was used to. We were just rolling through the season. So these last two games, I think, were a good chance for the Preds. And they haven't had that team. This is a different mentality. They are the team that's going to punch you in the mouth. And I look at um, Olivier gets back in the lineup blocks two shots. And this is a game that doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter. Quotes. He goes out, blocks two shots and then goes over, pushes a guy and challenges him to a fight. And the guy skates away from him, just wanting no part of it. And then good Branson goes in and just starts grabbing Niederreiter and like stinky glove and slapping him in the face. Just kind of like, you're not going to fight me. I know you're not going to fight me, but I'm going to toy with you and I'm going to (laughs) keep letting you know that I'm there over eight games all these stories kind of build up and uh, you know it, it wasn't too long ago the league was like that you play your division six to eight times and it was like bloodbath every time you play because you knew you were going to have to play them in the playoffs at some point you want to set the tone and those points were big and you wanted to set the tone like on a back-to-back you always go in to a game and be like this is not just three periods it's six periods we got to." be bullies early in the game in game one. And so it's been back to backs all year. And so the animosity is just building up over and over and over again. And so to see it go through, you know, the progression and then the last two games and then a playoff series, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's insane. It's just, and I tip my hat to these guys again, because not only has it been a miserable year and you haven't been able to go out and do anything, but every game you get into is, that bloodbath, that, that mentality that you have to have. And it's exhausting. And so now is the fun part. This is when it you know, know, now you're playing for something and that's when everything gets dumped out. So I think this is going to be a great physical hard series because of that, because of all that animosity that's built up because, you know, Carolina is a better team maybe, but Nashville has shown that they are going to fight and they're going to give them everything they got and that can level the playing field pretty quick and so it's going to be fun i'm excited about this cuz there's a lot of there's a lot of staring contests going and who looks away first i mean that's that's when you get the edge right
1: is there any parallel to 2017 here i mean that uh, team that team got in kind of late played a yeah. play, played somebody in the first round who was supposed to just wipe them off the map
2: yeah absolutely i mean that's uh, you can look at And that's the fun part is when you're in the locker room, you look at, you know, you can look at parallels all over the place and you say, hey, this is a lot like that season. This is a lot like this season. But then you have to look around and there's a lot of guys that weren't there. I mean, this is a a really a new team and a new mentality. So it's nothing like that season at the same time. It's a completely different team. And so, you know, yeah, you look, you can look at the comparisons and if they want to take that, and use it as motivation. Like, Hey, 2017, we are all part of this. And that's why everyone goes out and trades for a Stanley cup winner, because they've gone through that. They've been through a guy who's been in the playoffs a lot has been through bad seasons and then they've been on great seasons and they've lost in the playoffs and won in the playoffs. And so there's a, a bit of a balancing act that the experience of Knowing you're the top dog and knowing hey it can all slip away pretty quick and being the underdog is is different and this is how you handle it you look at those guys and you say all right this is how we're going to play the game in the end it all comes down to that first shift and you write it all off you you know it's all about your preparation right and then you get into a game and you forget about everything same way I do all my research and I forget about it because I <laughs> this is a new game you know and so these guys got to go out and write their own story.
0: All right, let's you've been very gracious with your time, so let's wrap up here with a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you if you yeah. if you don't mind. Uh the Nashville Predators will win the series against Carolina if they Oof.
2: There's a lot of things they need to do. <laughs> they need to <laughs> they need to establish their forecheck. If they can if they can punish their D and get on the forecheck and move zones in order to do that, they're going to have success.
0: The first time I pe- the first time I met Pecorino, you remember what? I can't give this a rapid
2: fire story.
0: (laughs) All right. You can do, I'll give you a couple sentences. Um,
2: Just a love, love of life. Uh, I met him, uh, you know, uh, first time I really hung out with him was in a golf course in Phoenix. And I was like, I want to, I'll give you the story. Once he retires, I'll tell you the story. But it was one of those moments where I was like, I love this guy. I, I know he's a competitor on the ice. I know he's. everyone said he's a great guy, and he's super polite and an awesome guy to be around, but he is a true beauty. He just loves life, and I, it's infectious, so I'll, I'll say that. I'll say the story for you know, years down the road, okay. but great guy.
0: After he starts for four more seasons for the Preds is what you're saying. I would um, love to see that, and he uh, should,
2: after ex- the way he's been playing. Yeah.
0: Explain all of the trophies that are over your left shoulder in your room right now.
2: Um, so I got, uh, the Stanley cup, they give you a replica, you know, cause obviously no one can keep the, the big one. Um, what else do I have? I have how, how tall, how tall
0: is that relative to
2: the actual one? Uh, it's just a little guy. Yeah. It's just, it's like a little offspring. It's like a baby cup. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, like sweet baby Jesus, it's six pounds, eight ounces. It's, yeah. No, just a little guy. I got the the president's trophy there that nice. with the Preds, I got conference champions while i was in pittsburgh right. down there i got another little fake uh, cup that my kid broke um and then <laughs> the silver stick is over here i don't know if you can see that that's yeah, yeah. the 1000 games and then i also have uh, i, I I'll, I'll, <laughs> this is the funny part that i have my first goal ever scored the puck i think is in the driveway because my son was shooting it and so <laughs> it, it was the same the St. Louis Blues puck that was my first goal might have been shot a couple times and eaten by the dog. Hal, Thank you so <laughs> that, much. Does that sum up my life? Yeah, been, you know they're, they're it, they're doesn't it. it doesn't matter. I always thought you win a Stanley Cup and you just like you know play in the NHL and then it's just be roses after that. And now my dogs are eating my first goal. You know it's like that's it, life.
0: Well, and it's not like you got a lot of those. Hal. I mean, you know, like no, you you said, know. those are those are <laughs> those are important. You, know? you only you get, know. get one first goal. Did you, say, did you keep every said,
2: one of them <laughs> you, you, you never you never forget your first
0: how always a pleasure man you're so <laughs> gracious with your time i love listening to you on the radio uh, obviously enjoy talking with you and, and appreciate you giving us uh so much of your time and best of luck in the playoffs my man hey thank you very
2: much that was fun appreciate it
0: That was Hal Gill, Skillzy, the great Skilzy, of course, joining us here on Lamestream. We do appreciate his time. And- I love that he
1: refers to himself as Skillsy in third person. Thank you very much. That was fantastic.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and I, listen, I, from the very first second I ever met the guy, I'd already heard a bunch of stories about him and heard him talk a lot, but the first time I ever met the guy, just open, kind, funny. will bust your shit a little bit if you're not careful, but like in a very loving way and just a a great guy to be in the spot that he's in because he's a great storyteller and he's working with a guy in Pete Weber. That's just a, a literally a hall of famer. So uh, I could listen to how he talk about hockey or about beer or about pretty much anything uh, at any point. So we do appreciate him coming on and, and giving us some perspective.
1: I, he's in an interesting spot because uh, you know, it was fun to talk to Mace earlier this season about kind of his evolution sort of in the booth and, and, and the the color guys really do just have to find you know, find these little spots to tell stories and to, to, to do analysis and whatever. And for the radio guys, it's an even tighter window because, because Pete's having to do, Pete's having to do much more work. You know, Willie is, Willie is this kind of caption service versus Pete's having to tell you what you can't see. It allows him even less time to do it. He's, I've flipped over and listened to the radio call a bunch this year because of um, the ballet sports. Mm. <laughs> situation on uh, on my uh, service provider, Thank you YouTube TV. It's been a lot of fun to listen to. I, I, I really miss uh, I really miss a good radio uh, yeah. uh, broadcast and, and and he and Pete have done just a, fan, a fantastic job this year. I,
0: I think hockey is the worst sport translated into radio. I just I just think it's the worst of all the major ones. Like I think baseball is wonderful <laughs> on, on radio. like I could listen to baseball on radio all day. Football's pretty damn good, no matter how you consume it. You know, soccer's pretty decent. You can describe things in soccer. You've got time to describe them. But I think hockey's the most difficult. Like, what you're hearing, even though Pete and Hal do an amazing job versus what you're seeing, like, it's just so impossible to visualize.
1: Well, well I, think, I, I, think, I think it's that a radio hockey broadcast has the, has the least amount of room for error. Uh, of any of the sports and when, you're, when your radio play by play guy is not very good the hockey uh, hockey on the radio is terrible uh, fortunately Pete's really good <laughs> and, uh, and, and he and Hal have, have just done, uh, done a, a really splendid job so special
0: thanks to Hal Gill for joining us and one day I'll we'll tell you all the off the record stories from Hal Gill one day <laughs> one day but just know when you're listening to this that we've heard them and that you haven't just said so that you know. Is that mean-spirited? <laughs> no, not at all.
1: Well, maybe a little. But maybe, that's a right. little
0: maybe a little. All right, recommend, okay. recommendation, Steve. What do you have?
1: My recommendation is the new Alex Gibney documentary. Uh, just uh, landed on HBO Max. It's called The Crime of the Century. It's about the Sacklers and the opioid epidemic in America. Everyone by now kind of understands sort of the scope uh, of it. But if you haven't paid attention, the Sackler family... That runs Purdue Pharmaceuticals is is really one of the one of the worst sets of humans that you can possibly find, uh, and, and it's and it's because they have been complicit in pushing their company to actively sell OxyContin and in increasing amounts throughout the throughout the nineties and aughts. It's a horrifying problem that we're only beginning to kind of grasp the, the magnitude of. Uh, Alex Gibney is one of the best documentarians out there. You've, you've seen his other stuff, like Enron, the smartest guys in the room. He did Going Clear, which was on Scientology. Yeah. Uh, he's, done, he's done a whole bunch. He did, did one on the Stuxnet virus that was the, the skunkworks thing to take down the Iranian centrifuges. He's, he's a fabulous non uh, nonfiction storyteller. Uh, and this is just uh, just another sort of horrifying uh, sort of thing kind of brought to, brought to vivid life. I absolutely recommend this. If you're not intimately familiar, if you haven't been paying attention to kind of the Purdue Pharma bankruptcies and the Sacklers and all that's been written on them, uh, this is a great sort of introduction to all that. And you'll walk away horrified, outraged, and just sick at the, at the magnitude of this problem.
0: Yeah. Like when they dial it down to like the number of pills per person they were prescribing per day, you're just like, holy fucking shit. Like this is, this is so wrong. And there's just not many uh, pieces of litigation, right. That have gone through. We had one. I want to say in like Oklahoma that settled, and so there's just not a lot like so. Think- so there haven't
1: been a lot of settlements, Ram. right? This is
0: this is going to be something that I think that we as a country are going to see a lot of in the next few years, right? There's, there's, actually, legi- of types of there's
1: actually legislation in Congress right now that would prevent people from using the bankruptcy laws in order to avoid punishment uh, for these sorts of things. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an enormous problem. And, and, and again, this is something that we're going to be grappling with the health effects, the mental health effects of it for decades.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to kind of do a, a much lighter recommendation <laughs> <laughs> Do tell on this and no and deaths and in your recommendations. Th- there's a little shamelessness here because we had her as a guest on our gold standard podcast, of course. Um, uh, but Sarah Sivian from the athletic covering the Carolina hurricanes She's covered the Boston Bruins. She's covered hockey for a whole, for a very, very long time. Very cheeky writer. I really enjoy her work. And she is someone, if you want to sort of, over the next two weeks, sort of engross yourself in Carolina versus Nashville and really dive into what the Carolina perspective is, learn more about Rod Brindamore, their coach, their goalie situation, and really study the other team while the Preds still have a chance to, you know, win games, uh, I would say go give her a follow. Uh, Sarah Sivian is her name. It's S A R A at Sarah Sivian works for the athletic covers, the Carolina hurricanes. And, uh, I always really enjoy when you get into moments like this, just diving deep into the other because we know Nashville stuff so well, you know, there's no way we all know Carolina and Florida and Tampa the same way. And so I I really recommend reading after
1: the season. I've read a lot of Carolina, (laughs) Tampa, and Florida coverage. That's
0: that's true. We've gotten to know them a lot more than maybe (laughs) we ever anticipated, but how many chances are you ever going to get to play the Carolina hurricanes in the first round? Probably never again.
1: How many times are you, how many chances are you going to get to play the Carolina Hurricanes as many as nine times in a yeah. row? I mean, <laughs> right. And 17 times in a season
0: <laughs> or whatever it's going to be. So she does a, she does a great job. And, and obviously we're partial to the athletic here, support good journalists, pay for good journalists and go check out Sarah Sivian. So that's my recommendation. She's, she's funny. She's a good writer. Has been on the hockey beat for a long time, knows her shit. And is just a really good follow. So give her, give her a follow and Tell her I sent you, Tell her, just go bother her about stuff and, and tell her I sent you, but do it in like a cool, nice way, not like a yeah. weird, creepy way.
1: Yeah, don't be a troll. Yeah,
0: don't be a troll. Just be nice, be respectful, all right? Because Raleigh's a cool place. A lot of Preds fans go to Raleigh for games, at least be used to. There's a lot of similarities between the Raleigh market and the Nashville market, so let's let's bond over our Southern non-traditionalness, okay? Let's not be angry about it. How about that? Awesome. There you go. Check her out. Also, Thank- Also, hang on. Athlon Sports preseason college football magazines are on newsstands. Shamelessly, go buy them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, go yeah. to Jaspers.
0: Yeah, also, go to Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. Um, anything else you got, Steve? You you're good for the day?
1: Uh, I'm good for the day. Now we're I'm I'm done. We're done here. Awesome. Hey, thanks for everyone for listening to Lamestream Sports. My name's Steve Cavendish. You can find me on Twitter at scavendish. Braden Gall, where can they find you on the socials? You can
0: find me on the Twitter sphere, the Twitter machine, the Twitter application at Braden Gall at 440 sports on Twitter and Facebook at 440 media on Instagram. Special thanks to Hal Gill for joining us for Steve. My name's Braden. Thank you for listening. Please share. Please share the show to one and a half people. That's all we ask. Just one and a half people. Thank you for listening. This has been LaneStream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.